0: Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to continue on in our studies in the book of Revelation, starting a new chapter today, chapter 3 to the church in Sardis. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard, obey it and repent. For if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people inside us who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the Book of Life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Heavenly Father, again, we're so thankful to be here. We praise you. We're here to worship you. We're here to learn from you. Make that happen, we pray, Yes, we get tuned in to your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Title this message to the church, the church in Sardis told to wake up. Today we learn about the fifth of the seven letters from Jesus written and addressed to the churches in Asia Minor, which is Western Turkey. Sardis, this gives some background information regarding Sardis. It's located inland between Ephesus and Smyrna, which we've all already learned about. It was the capital of the ancient kingdom of Lydia, one of the most important and wealthiest city of the Persian, the Greek, and later the Roman empires. Sardis was a very favourable commercial location, very rich, very prosperous. An ancient geographer called it a great city. However, in AD 17, a massive earthquake completely destroyed Sardis. But later, a town was built, uh, the money put up by the emperor Tiberius, and uh, Sidis was rebuilt. A new town was rebuilt by the Romans. What about their religion? Pagan. The goddess uh, of Sidis was Sybil, whose identity was later merged with Artemis, and uh, Artemis was also the Greek god known as Diana, the Temple of Artemis was one of the most imposing structures in us, and its size tells of its importance to them. Sybil, the great mother, or mother of the gods, they believed was the mother of the twins Apollo, the sun god, and Artemis, the moon goddess by Zeus. Sybil's cult was celebrated with great festivals, reveling and immorality, and the most ecstatic followers of Sybil were males who ritually castrated themselves, after which they were given women's clothing and assumed female identities referred to by the third century commentator in the feminine gender. Her priestesses led the people in immoral ceremonies with wild music, drumming, dancing and excessive alcoholic beverages. Artemis was the patron of hunters, the goddess of fertility, they claimed. In Rome, Artemis was also known as Diana, which I said before. Artemis was also known as the perpetual virgin. Does this sound familiar? The perpetual virgin? By mixing the worship uh, and identities of Sibyl and Artemis, the goddess of Sardis became the mother of God. Familiar? and the perpetual virgin, familiar. Does that sound familiar? Jesus identifies himself as having the seven spirits of God. This is a likely reference to his perfect wisdom and the seven attributes of the Holy Spirit, who is God. He also holds the seven stars. We've also studied the word stars in this context. It also means messengers or pastors. He holds the seven stars. He holds the seven stars in his hand. Another term for pastor messenger. All those seven churches in Asia Minor as well. Sardis had a reputation of being a church that was alive. Reputation, it had a reputation. But in reality, as Jesus pointed out, it was spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. No spiritual life whatsoever. That's how it was in that Sardis church. You've heard of uh, Gandhi, I hope, Mahatma Gandhi. He writes about attending a church in South Africa when he was there, when he was a young man. And he said, and I quote, he said, I attended church every Sunday. This is the great Hindu Gandhi. I attended church every Sunday. The church did not make a favourable impression on me. The sermons seemed to be uninspiring. The congregation did not strike me as being perfect, particularly religious. They were not an assembly of devout souls. They appeared to be rather worldly-minded, going to church in conformity to custom. This is what, what was going on inside us. Here, at times, I would involuntarily doze off, (laughs) like some of you. I used to have a guy that used to come, bless him, used to sit right at the back of a, a church that will remain nameless. And during the sermon, he would go, I never, yeah, well, anyway, I didn't take it personally. He says, so, here at times I involuntarily dozed off. I was ashamed, but some of my neighbors who were in no better a case lightened the shame. I could not go on like this and soon gave up attending the service and look what happened to Mahatma Gandhi. If only Mahatma Gandhi could have been saved, what a difference it would have made to the people in India. There are many congregations like that, as you probably know. And Jesus tells them to wake up, wake up, strengthen what remains, and is about to die. The Church is about to die. You better wake up, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. The church inside is fallen into a, to quote, uh, a line from Pink Floyd, falling into a comfortably numb attitude, a comfortably numb attitude, just going through the motions, assuming everything was okay, assuming everything was fine, when it wasn't. The church thought it would go on like that indefinitely without changing their attitude. It assumed it could live on a religious uh, reputation In that community, they thought they were better than the rest of them in that community because they went to church. But they had become complacent, showing a smug, uncritical satisfaction with their past achievements. Complacency can happen in any church. Lulling its members... When we talk about members, if you're born again, then you are a member of the body of Christ. Amen? Lolling its members into thinking everything is okay the way things were. The way things were. A complacent church often speaks of its past successes, its past achievements instead of planning for future victories. Amen? Planning for future victories. Jesus said, wake up, wake up. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast. Repent. And if you do not wake up, I'm going to come like a thief in the night when you least expect it. So having been told what to do, Jesus the church. Tells the church not to forget it. Hold on. Endure. Remember what you've heard. initially, the truth through the preaching of the word, and change your attitude. You know, you know as well as I. We can. We're not always in the uh, the best frame of mind with our attitude. You can always tell whether we are walking in the spirit or a person is walking in the spirit or they're walking in the flesh by their attitude. Amen? Church inside us needed to remember that the truth that they had heard and to live in that truth and abide by that truth and live in the light of that truth. Otherwise, Jesus would come as an unexpected, unwelcomed thief. I don't know any, any thief who is welcomed. Those slumbering believers, they would forfeit their reward at the judgment seat of Christ. They wouldn't lose their salvation. Those that were saved, it doesn't mean just because you go to church, and I've said it before, it doesn't make you a Christian just because you come to church. So there were people in that church, they had one foot in the world and they had another foot in the church. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, say, so we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all, emphasis on all, appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may receive what is due us, for the things done while in the body, whether it be good or bad. So since we've been saved, our good deeds, our good works, if it's done with the right motive, with the right attitude, then that will receive a reward, amen? But if we do not do things in the right attitude, we just go through the motions in a a negative manner and. You know, not being filled by the Holy Spirit, doing those good deeds, uh, it's going to be burned up. It's going to be a complete waste of time. There will be no reward. In fact, we will lose rewards. We won't lose our salvation, assuming that you are born again. But um, Jesus says you'll know them by their fruits. That's how you can tell whether a person is truly being changed. Verse 4, yet you have a few people inside us who have not soiled their clothes. So there was something positive that Jesus says about some of those people in the church. Having said some things that were quite negative about the others. All was not lost in that church because a few believers had kept themselves pure and avoided being polluted by the corruption that permeated that culture. No stain of immorality and idolatry soiled their lives. They have not soiled their clothes. The faithful minority, and there's always a minority that are faithful compared to the vast majority who are not. They kept a watchful eye for anything or anyone that would lead them astray. They were conscious how they conducted their life on a daily basis, living in a society much more pagan than this one that is generally opposed to Christ and the godly way of living. He says that they will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy. Jesus promised the faithful few they would walk with him in white garments. White is uh, an indication of purity. And uh, he said the one who is victorious will like them be dressed in white. So he's emphasized that again. Only the righteous in Sardis. only those that were truly saved would wear the white garments in heaven these represent honor purity and righteousness isaiah 61 verse 10 it says i will greatly rejoice in the lord my soul shall exalt in my god for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation he has covered me with the robe of righteousness once we receive the son of righteousness Jesus Christ he clothes us clothes us with the garments of righteousness so when God sees us he doesn't see our sin he sees Christ in us so that should be encouragement to us amen so you want to remind Satan about that when he Starts uh, accusing you. He's an accuser of the brethren. But as far as God is concerned, he sees us as pure as the driven snow. And one day we're going to wear white garments in heaven. And Jesus promises here that I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life. You know, once you receive Jesus, your name is written in the book of life. And that can never be erased. Jesus makes another promise, a few promises here. Not only he'll never erase our name from the book of life, and, you know, we better be certain that we are born again. Because Jesus says, unless you're born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. God. Unless you're born again, you, you can't enter into or see the kingdom of God. So it's vitally important, the most important decision you'll ever make. He said, but here's another promise. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. It, us individuals, little old me, Jesus is going to acknowledge our name before the Father in heaven and the angels. The faithful believers' names would be mentioned to God the Father and the angels. He would acknowledge those suffering saints that endured the persecution, the faithful, con- conquering saints that they belong to him. Remember those faithful believers in Pergamum. Jesus said he would give them a white stone. Do you remember that? Jesus would give them a white stone as a reward with a new name written on that stone that nobody else knew. So I wonder what name he's gonna give you, a new name he's gonna give you, or a new name he's gonna give me. And the white stone that he's going to give us. Interesting. We'll wait and see till we get there. We don't know. And he finishes as usual as he does. And uh, I think the Lord's trying to tell the church something because he keeps repeating this at the end of every letter. Whoever has ears, and I'm thankful that I've got ears because that holds my glasses up. He who has ears, let them hear what the Spirit, Holy Spirit says to the churches final verse calls upon believers not only to hear the word of God but also to do what it says that's the most important and necessary thing that we should do ought to do, must do once we've been saved is not only hear the word of God, read the word of God but obey the word of God not just go through the motions and play church on Sundays. There's more to church than just having a beautiful building. There's more to church than having a charismatic, awesome pastor who can, who can, who can, who can wax eloquent. Uh, there's more to church than having lots of different programs. There's more to church than having a church full of people and the collection plates overflowing with money. There's more to church than that. All those things would be nice, but it pales in comparison to a congregation that not only hears the word of the Lord, but obeys the word of the Lord. Amen? I'll conclude. And I'll read, those of you who take notes, in Second uh, Timothy chapter four. And it says this, Paul is writing to a young pastor called Timothy. He said, I charge you, in other words, I command you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead Now, we talked about the judgment seat of Christ. That's referring to the living, those that are born again and are alive because Christ lives in us, and also the dead that are spiritually dead. And the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. It's not happened yet. This is what he says, verse 2. Preach the word... Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears. They will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables but you be watchful in all things endure afflictions do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry that's the charge to Timothy, the young pastor from the Apostle Paul, told him to keep preaching the word in season and out of season, regardless of the circumstances. We've just read that the Bible predicts a time when people refuse to listen to sound teaching. They will turn away from the truth and prefer preaching that would make them feel good and cater for their own personal desires many people today who attend various churches refer to here feel good preaching and be entertained in a non-convicting manner they in particular need to do what Jesus tells the churches wake up Wake up, because he's coming again, like a thief in the night. And in the meantime, we must strengthen the things that remain. Be about the Lord's business. Teach the word, preach the word, obey the word, live the word, in the light of the word, on a daily basis. To be about our master's business, and be ready for his return. Amen? Amen. Father, again, we're so grateful, so thankful to be here today. It's the best place we could possibly be in, in the church on the Lord's Day of the first day of the week. So, Father, we just thank you for the things that we've been reminded about. That, and we are so thankful that we have a church that is alive And uh, God forbid that we'd ever just go through the motions and play church. But uh, we are a living body of Christ. And we give you all the thanks for your Holy Spirit that lives in us, the body of Christ, the members of this church. Again, I need to remind people that listening to this message, wherever you may be, I've said it numerous occasions, you need to be born again. I'm just quoting what Jesus said, and it's vitally important. You're either in Christ or you're outside of Christ. You're either alive in Christ or you're dead, spiritually dead, in your trespasses and sins because you've never been made alive. You've never been regenerated by receiving Jesus as your personal savior. Believe in your heart, That Jesus loved you so much that he was willing to die for you on that cross. He he bled and he died. He he shed his precious, sinless blood so your sins could be washed away. He took the punishment that you deserve for the bad, wrong things and the sins that you've committed in your life. He took the fall for you. He paid the price for you. Will you not receive him, give him the thanks that he deserves, and receive him as your personal savior. The promise in uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, for those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I hope and pray that you do that. And when you do, you'll pass from death unto life. And your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. 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 Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Colrain For Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m., we are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Colrain, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.